This is a podcast about the manosphere, so it may contain references to extremist misogyny and violence, and it will definitely contain lots of swears. This is a podcast about the manosphere, so it may contain references to extremist misogyny and violence, and it will definitely contain lots of swears. Hey, Aileen, did you know that a woman's ability to commit to a man decreases the more partners she's had throughout her life? Uh, I'm a bit worried about you, Dan. Where have you heard that? Uh, on the internet, obviously. Hello and welcome to Manosphere Debunked, the podcast where we take great delight in debunking the bullshit information from the Manosphere. My name's Dan, otherwise known as the Narcissist Psychologist on Instagram. And my name's Aileen Barrett, and I am on Instagram at Tinder Translators. And guess what we're talking about today? I mean, I know what we're talking about today. I'm very excited to talk about what we're talking about today, uh, which is pair bonding. Yeah, so pair bonding is like a weird obsession of the manosphere. Mm -hmm. One of the pseudoscientific things, spoiler alert, pseudo, um, (laughs) that they go on about. As we have found out in previous week's episodes, they love a bit of science, in inverted commas, just getting a little bit of science and then really stretching it much further than it can reach in order to prove that, you know, men should be dominant over women or women are cheaters or women can't pair bond for example so Mm -hmm. pair bonding big in the old manosphere space do you have a sense of what they say it is and how they use it to justify their ideology what what have you heard about pair bonding so my understanding of pair bonding is the idea that when a man and a woman have sex they bond as a pair and it's meant to be the fact that when a woman has sex with a man for the first time that is when that bond is the most strongest and that therefore then apparently decreases the more men that she has sex with so therefore if you are with a woman who has had multiple partners before you the mm-hmm. bond between you and her will not be as strong as the bond between her and the the first guy she ever had sex with, which then apparently means that the commitment she has or the love that she has for you or the attraction, appeal, whatever, just is not as strong as it would have been for the first dude. Yeah, so that sounds like perfect science, doesn't it? I mean, like, if it were true, it would make sense. Like, if it was an actual thing that happened... Like if it was an actual thing that happened every time people had sex, I'd be like, yeah, okay, I, I can see yeah. where you, I can see where you're going with it. But because I've never been taught about it in my career as a psychologist, I've never heard about it. It kind of strikes me as something that I might have heard along the way, yeah. but I've never, never heard anything in relation to it. So my first inclination is to believe that it is, um, if not bullshit, at least a stretching of some kind of truth. Yeah. So you're absolutely right. That is how they use it. And I think it's a bit of both. It's a bit of stretching of truth, but it's a lot of bullshit. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So as I say, there are so many clips of men Mm -hmm. on the internet talking about pair bonding that it was hard to pick. (laughs) In fact, we're going to have a few, but I am going to send you this one because I think it is amusing. And also it's a great setup for the episode. Tomo Marginovic, this guy's called, so it's a new one. 
The more hypersexual a woman is, some will argue a man as well, the more issues they have actually developing a true intimate connection with their partner, boyfriend, girlfriend, whatever it is. But yeah, hypersexuality in women causes a lot of problems. And if you look at historical evidence, those hypersexual women, you know, when they were younger, they have a lot of relationship problems going forward. They couldn't hold a marriage. They couldn't hold a relationship. They weren't able to really be satisfied by anybody. I would say that part of that is the pair bonding issue because the more men that a woman has sex with, the harder it is for them to pair bond. Okay. It's a real thing. Look it up. It's a real thing. Look it up. Okay. I will. <laughs> um, when he says historically, what moment in history or what sort of historical evidence is he referring to? Yeah, I think he, he might mean in someone's personal history. I mean, if you do look at history, you'll find those ideas. Yeah, they go pretty far back. Um, archaic, some might say. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you get the idea of the fallen woman. You get the idea of the woman who's, you know, no longer a virgin, blah, 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 and she can't be married. I think that comes mostly from religion and not from biology or patriarchy, really. I mean, religion influenced by patriarchy. But yeah, so my favorite thing about that clip is that at the very beginning, he's like, so women, and some people say men too, and then just leaves it there. <laughs> just, like, <laughs> and just talks about women and what the problem with women is. He kind of defines the whole thing of that pair bonding is a thing, look it up. They, this is what you hear in comment sections. It's when you challenge a view of the way women are that's misogynistic they'll be like it's just science look it up so guess what i did did you look it up i looked oh, it okay. up so as you guess it's not complete bullshit it is a, a thing that comes from science pair bonding is an idea that comes from science and it is basically about well bonding funnily enough with other animals so this is um, not something that ex is exclusive just to human beings. This is another biological thing that occurs across sort of the animal kingdom. So it doesn't occur across the animal kingdom, but yes, it, it's been studied in humans um, mm -hmm. and it's been studied in other mammals. Okay. And it is a real thing, potentially not quite the same uh, definition as the manosphere might use. Okay. But yeah, it's a real thing. And that brings us to what I'm going to start calling our segment, the manosphere animal of the week. <laughs> the manosphere animal of the week this week, we've had last week, we had orangutans. Mm -hmm. The week before we had, what was it? Collared flycatcher. We had the collared flycatcher. Of, of yay, the small and the large forehead. It's actually forehead patches. This So this is something that I didn't think I would learn about as much doing this podcast is about animals. Like I didn't think that, <laughs> right? Yeah, like I didn't think that I would be learning about animals and their mating habits and all that kind of stuff. I'm here yeah. for it and I am, you know, I'm keen, but yeah, I just had that reflection now. Yeah. I, you know, I agree. <laughs> so yeah, so pair bonds have been studied in humans um, and they've been studied in other animals. The Manosphere Animal of the Week this week is, drumroll please. <laughs> the prairie vole. The prairie what? Vole. What's a vole? It's a rodent. A vole? Oh, yeah, I don't know what a vole is. Right, well, obviously you're going to have to change your picture, aren't I? So, but prairie voles are used quite a lot in studies that want to kind of make implications about human activity because there are similar kind of brain receptors going off for similar behaviors apparently and they're mammals but but they have more human-like sort of behavior than some other rodents like rats apparently i mean i i'm going to believe the 
rodent scientists on that one. Okay. The reason that they are studied for this kind of pair bonding stuff is because they are socially monogamous. So socially monogamous basically means that you mate over more than one reproductive cycle with one partner and they, they are observed to be committed to them for life, I think, with prairie voles. Notably, prairie voles' life expectancy, a bit shorter than humans, mm-hmm. uh, one year, as opposed to, you know, 80 plus. So <laughs> that's something to bear in mind when we're comparing the two. I guess it's slightly easier for them to be committed to one partner, yeah. considering that it's their entire lifespan that it takes to do what they need to do. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think they make more than once, but still it's... Do you know what? If I lived for only one year, I think I would, you know, mate for life with someone. Uh-huh. It's easier. Yeah. Yeah, so pair bonding is is primarily observed, it's observed in a couple of ways. One way is in partners, but the reason it's in mammals is because primarily in most mammals, pair bonding occurs between mother and child. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the breastfeeding, mammals tend to have babies that can't fend for themselves. So Mm -hmm. they need to have a bond in order to, you know, look after their, their young until they can. And then some mammals, the percentages I've seen vary, only 9% to 5% of mammals actually pair bond with their partners as well and are socially monogamous with their partners of which humans are counted among but we'll we'll get to that in a bit okay so prairie voles they they ride or dies it's very exciting (laughs) but but i'm not going to talk too much about like the mating patterns and the research on prairie voles because guess what i think dan Mm -hmm. i think it doesn't really matter but is that because and follow me down this trail of thought is that because we're not fucking prairie voles (laughs) Yeah, and that is true, however you take that sentence. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. But also, what I want to send you right now is a little little definition of what pair bonds are in science, rather than in... I feel like we should make some kind of manosphere science, you know... Like a man of science or something like that. Man of science, yeah. Man of science. Would you just read this out for us, please? Of course, yeah. Pair bonds refer to selective associations between two individuals of the same species. These strong social relationships are typically observed within breeding pairs of monogamous species. However, pair bonds can exist between animals that are not sexually involved or sexually exclusive. Hmm, that throws a spanner in the work, doesn't it? Yeah. Because I thought pair bonds was... When you have sex with a person for the first time, then you're just bonded to them like some kind of weird werewolf novel. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not in like an adhesive way, but in like a spiritual and... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> in the soul. That's what they're hoping, is that they would be stuck to them for life. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, it's a kind of weird misogynistic fantasy of kind mm. of predatory fantasy, mm-hmm. really, that you find a young lady and imprint on her. It's, mm. It is giving Twilight, actually, a little yeah. bit. But yeah, so, so pair bonds, as I said, it's often mother and child. It can be breeding pairs in species that are monogamous. Um, But Mm -hmm. it also can just be like people who form bonds. So that quote that I got you to read out just before was from an article called The Neurobiology of Love and Pair Bonding from Human and Animal Perspectives. And that was from this year. And it seems like it's a literature review of of types. Okay. And it's, you know, it's heavy on the the prairie vole stuff. Uh, (laughs) Because we're most like the prairie vole. Yeah. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. And one of the things they focus on is, you know, this, the kind of brain patterning, the overlap occurs that occurs in the brain regions and the neuromodulators involved in the process um, of pair bonding for humans and rodents. And that's why it's relevant to look at them. And one of the things that they really focus on in this is the release of oxytocin. They actually 
focus on quite a few different chemical releases in the brain. But I mention oxytocin because alongside pair bonding, the explanation for pair bonding, when, when the manosphere wants to get real scientific. So I'm just going to send you another clip. Okay. This TikTok clip also is one of my favorite kind of um, genres of manosphere clip, where it's like a man who knows fuck all explaining something that he knows fuck all about to a woman and her just sitting there being like, yeah, okay. And you're like, oh, babe, babe. <laughs> so here you go. Do you know what oxytocin is? Oxytocin? It's a hormone that women release when they have sex, give birth, and breastfeed their child. It's similar to dopamine. You know what dopamine is, right? Yeah. Basically, it's like the reward hormone. Like when you mm -hmm. work for something, you get a reward, you feel good about it. The difference is with women, just like dopamine, it slows down and then eventually stops. So the more sexual partners you have, the less and less oxytocin produce, is produced in your body. The less oxytocin that's produced in your body, the less likely you are to bond with the man that you want to be with because forever you're going to compare him to the other men that you slept with. Give me your reaction to his explanation of what oxytocin is. Okay. So at one point I was listening to it and I was like, I don't know what Aileen's talking about because he's, he's on track. Like, you know, oxytocin is a hormone released by women during... Um, sex and breastfeeding and birth etc etc mm -hmm. um and i was like oh no he's on board and then he completely <laughs> lost me when he said that it runs out <laughs> like yeah like women start with a tank full of oxytocin <laughs> and you have a reserve and then it just depletes what are you talking about where have you heard that oxytocin levels deplete what like dopamine like he is a human being <laughs> that experiences rewards so he has dopamine hits and mm -hmm. he must certainly realize that his his dopamine isn't running out and yeah. therefore oh my god sorry this is a bit ranty <laughs> but that was oh no i love it i love it but famously women who have multiple children love their youngest the least right like that's just a <laughs> It's just, it's so stupid. Like, think it through, dude. So, yeah, obviously that's silly. But there's another flaw in what he's saying. I don't. I'm assuming that you know that what the flaw is, but you might not have mentioned it. Is that ox oxytocin is not just a hormone that women really? Oh yeah, no, no. Yeah. Men have oxytocin. <laughs> uh, men have oxytocin as well. So he's yeah, talking we about oxytocin. it. Yeah. So unlike something like estrogen or testosterone that do decrease over time they oxytocin is is a is a reactive kind of thing in the brain right mm -hmm. like dopamine he's right mm -hmm. except that a men have oxytocin and women have dopamine and also men release oxytocin when they are orgasming as well right mm -hmm. yes now mostly when you have casual sex women are less likely to come 80 percent of women can't come from penetration a lot of men when they're having casual sex don't know or care uh, where mm -hmm. the clitoris is so if anything men have released more oxytocin during casual sex than women so men's oxytocin is actually depleting yeah if there were a reserve which there isn't <laughs> and also yes it is released during breastfeeding although not in my experience it's not just released during breastfeeding it's, it's released during touch so anytime yeah, yeah. that there is anytime there is skin to skin contact which is why one of the recommendations uh, for fathers uh, when they have a newborn is to have skin to skin contact because obviously mm -hmm. fathers who are sort of biologically male can't breastfeed in that way. So the next best thing is to have skin to skin contact with your baby on, on your chest. 
because mm-hmm. of the release of oxytocin. Yeah, exactly. So there's lots of different ways that oxytocin can be released. Stroking a pet, for example, is a, is mm-hmm. a way that, you know, there's just, there's loads of ways. So yeah, so you're absolutely right about oxytocin um, being something that is is not a, something that depletes. So I was, I was really struggling. I was like, there must be some study that they're misusing, right? Like there must be some nugget of some nugget of truth out there yeah, in the they, world. They've got they've got pair bonding that's come from somewhere. They've got this idea that you know mating couples who are socially monogamous have this bond. Cool, and there must be at least one study. Maybe it's been disproved. You know, whatever. And I, it was, I was trying to find some prairie voles that have had multiple partners. I couldn't <laughs> find them. I mean, this is this is this is my research, and it might just be flawed. But I did find an article on the Australian Associated Press Fact Checker website, which was, well, the, the title is Love Hormone Claim is Simply Bonkers, um, which I enjoyed. <laughs> and they spoke to two researchers, Dr. Susan Thomas and Dr. Teresa Larkin at the University of Wollongong, I believe. And I'm just going to send you a little quote from what they said, because obviously I just enjoy scientists telling us that we're right. So here you go. Scientific studies show that in both men and women, Oxytocin rises during sexual activity and peaks during orgasm and returns to baseline levels afterwards. But oxytocin function and production in the body is not affected in any way by having multiple sexual partners, they said. There are no studies finding that sex depletes oxytocin levels over time or that having multiple partners reduces oxytocin levels. Mic drop, boom. Boom. Okay. There are no studies. There are, just for the, just for the masses and for the people (laughs) at the back, there are no studies. Zero. Zilch. None. Zilch. And I I haven't managed to find like where the origin of this comes from in the manosphere. The the thing that they're debunking in that fact check is a Facebook post. So, (laughs) uh, you know. (laughs) But of course. So just to say again, there's no studies. Um, But I'll tell you something else that a study found, which is interesting, because as I say, these studies, they look at lots of different neurotransmitters and uh, different kind of brain patterns of activity and hormones. It's not just like oxytocin make people pair bond, right? Mm-hmm. And in January 2023, uh, mm-hmm. so just one year ago, some new research came out. And what they did in this research is that, I think it was like a, like a decade in the making, they bred out of prairie voles the oxytocin receptors in the brain. Okay. So basically they created prairie voles that don't receive oxytocin to their brain. Mm-hmm. And the ones that were bred without oxytocin receptors showed the same monogamous mating attached and parenting behaviors as regular voles. In addition, the females without oxytocin receptors gave birth and produced milk, though in smaller quantities than ordinary female voles. So oxytocin is one aspect of an incredibly complex human and vole brain <laughs> mm-hmm. that that does affect us and is a thing but I think it's it's become a thing that we all are a bit fixated on in, in a mm-hmm. in a wild way. Now obviously no one's saying it doesn't matter. It doesn't make any impact. As we know, there are no studies saying that it depletes. <laughs> but also, there's no study saying that it is the only thing that like makes us bond with people. And a thing that the whole, you know, the oxytocin depleting thing reminds me of is the idea, and I'm going to have to be a bit vulgar here. Um, okay. of, of, I'll, I'll prepare myself. Of a, a vagina getting loose from multiple partners. <laughs> yeah. Right? The whole the whole lock and key vibe. Yeah. So the idea that, you know, if you've had, you've slept with a hundred men, then, you know, one night stands and you're going to be a cave basically. Mm-hmm. But if you slept with one guy a hundred times, then you're not. What are you talking about? 
this is the same similar thing to me right if, if oxytocin depletes over time surely your attachment to your partner would that that is caused by oxytocin would deplete over time uh no but you see it's mystical and magical and the first time you pair with somebody that's when it's strongest and then almost like some kind of stars aligning romantic ah moment that's when you realize that you're with the one you've missed out the mysticism and the romance no, of it all Aileen. but in my defense so has the manosphere <laughs> <laughs> this True. isn't a stephanie myers novel you know this no. is a no. you just got to look at the science but it is you're right it is mythical magical mm. there is a one not even there is a one because it's not romance it's like a kind of dominance magic yeah it's like it's a, okay, dude. it's a domance but yeah one so one last thing to say on this is that when we're looking at our animal friends as studies and we're talking about like oh well you know prairie voles are socially monogamous and so are humans questions may be raised as to whether humans are biologically socially monogamous right mm -hmm. so we do we do get into partners and have kids obviously but i mean for example the way we do that now the, the nuclear family the two the two adults children in a household that is very modern um, mm. despite what the manosphere would have you say and I want to do a whole episode on that sometime mm. and there is just there's a lot of debate amongst paleontologists amongst geneticists as to whether early humans were monogamous and mm -hmm. and it also depends on which primate you pick you know so for example last week Jordan Peterson was picking orangutans but all primate groups have different ways of, of, of mating and different you know sort of social structures around mating and it depends what you want to prove if you want to prove that mm. there are alphas then you can look at gorillas and chimps if you want to you know that kind of thing um well, we're like chimps so uh look they've got like dominant males and they have sex with loads of women uh mm -hmm. okay cool if you want to prove that humans are monogamous Pair bonders, you could look at gibbons because they're monogamous, they're ride or dies. And I never knew that I was going to learn so much about the mating patterns of different primates <laughs> as I have, but here we are. This is a learning curve all the way through. Yeah. And then there's a, there's a book uh, called Sex at Dawn that was, it was released in 2010. And mm. the authors of this book don't believe that humans, early humans were monogamous. And I'm just going to send you this little quote to end on because much like, do you remember the the other week I was like, I want the manosphere to study whales, whales, killer whales. I want, man mm -hmm. I want the manosphere to study orcas. Yeah. Well, I also would quite like to bring bonobos into the chat. Um, okay. So he here you go. The, sorry, Ryan and Jetha are the authors of this study. This is from an article, a Guardian article about the general academic debate as to whether humans are monogamous or were monogamous in nature. Ryan and Jetha argue that while yes, gibbons and chimpanzees are close relatives, our closest relatives are in fact bonobos. Bonobos live in female-centered societies. Yeah, oh, get it girls. Nice. Where war is rare and sex serves an important social function. They are polyamorous with both male and female apes having regular sex with multiple partners. How very um, progressive of them. Do you know what I mean? Like, I think that sounds so much better than um, <laughs> the orangutans personally. Yeah. The like, be dominated or be raped philosophy of, of orangutan studies. I mean, it sounds like a much more pleasant time all round for everyone involved, right? Less or more sex, I think. Yeah. Is, that's, isn't that what John Lennon and Yoko Ono were, were talking about? <laughs> like, Pretty much. Yeah. So yeah. I 
famously yeah. direct direct descendants of the bonobos lennon and yoko ono famously because we all are so yeah <laughs> well not direct i don't know i don't understand it but i understand it again more than the manosphere do because it takes <laughs> a couple of days of research in fact you probably just reading one article would have done that so yeah so i think that that's just on top of all the other scientific stuff is is a relevant kind of question to ask we do obviously we do pair bond in the scientific sense in which we you know, we, we have partners who we are closely bonded with and we'll do things for. And most of the time they, they are sexual partners, but it's not, not on a, it's, it's not on a neurochemical level that seems to be unchangeable mm. and unshakable. It doesn't change your physiology mm-hmm. when you have sex with somebody else that then kind of creates this intrinsic, unshakable bond with somebody else. Yeah. It is just, yeah, yeah. It's, it's not quite that deep, mate. Yeah. So I just think that's an interesting thing. You know, not everybody is monogamous. <clears throat> if anything, we're probably serially monogamous, even if we do end up like married and, and to, with a partner for a very long time. We've had mm-hmm. more partners before generally. And I think probably just to end on part of the, the article that I began on would be a good idea because first of all, important to say the Provost studies say nothing about females specifically they're talking about both sexes but also the article says this and you can read it out for the group please when examining human experiences of love and long-term relationships it is also imperative to also consider the socio-cultural factors at play romantic love is present in almost all human societies and despite differences in acceptance of polygamy and extramarital sex across cultures monogamy remains the dominant marriage type even in groups where polygamy is accepted Attachment style, relationship history, and familial or cultural expectations work in tandem with neurobiological mechanisms to influence mate choice and romantic engagements. I mean, that just makes so much more sense than oxytocin runs out. Yeah, or like the more people you have sex with, the less likely you are to ever be able to pair bond. It's um, it's almost as if scientists are able to hold multiple factors in their brain and aren't just focused on proving a point you know science isn't perfect of course and it's still biased but um it's not you know a 20 year old guy explaining to a 19 19 year old girl on tiktok that um the more guys she has sex with the more her hormones run out or something do you know what though like the the thing that blows my mind though is that you and i have done this podcast and i think i can safely say that for me and maybe it's the same for you i am not terrified, but I am loath to put something out there that is scientifically inaccurate or that I haven't mm-hmm. at least done some research around. But maybe that's because I have critical thinking skills and yeah. I don't want to just cause outrage. And despite being a mediocre white man, you don't seem to walk through the world with the confidence of one. Uh, so I used to. I used to. There you go. <laughs> yeah. And, and now um, that you don't, you're not mediocre anymore. <gasps> yeah. Or go. mediocre to some. A simp and a beta cook to some, I imagine. Yeah, simp, simp to some, hero to all. Doesn't make any sense. Anyway, <laughs> um, yeah, so that's that for this part. We will next week be looking at basically some uh, of the more sociological evidence, in inverted commas, that multiple partners make women less likely to be able to settle down with a man and see whether or not it might be maybe a bit more complex. <laughs> surely not surely not but for for this week i i I wish you the love and support of a prairie vole for his pair bonded partner that's that's what i wish for all of you listeners so yeah yeah go forth and multiply what can i say (laughs) 
enjoyed today's episode of Manosphere Debunked, please leave us a review and subscribe wherever you listen. You can also send questions, suggestions and thoughts to manosphere-debunked at gmail.com. All of the materials referenced in this podcast are linked in the show notes. Do we need a jingle for this? I think, yeah. I mean, it could just be like the Manosphere Animal of the Week. We could do that duet style. Okay, you're going to do it with me right yeah. now? Or? Yeah. Okay. Three. Okay. So, sorry, what is it? The Manosphere Animal of the Week. Okay. Yeah, okay. Three, two. The uh, oh, yeah. man. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe not. Uh, okay. Just leave it to me. Okay, uh, you no, do okay. it.